Hey guys, Cole Coffee here. Just wanted to drop in because I know I'm not in this week's episode. I will be back next week. I'll be with John. We'll be back together covering the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale next week. So looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, what a what a great night of fights that we had there in Shanghai at UFC Fight Night 122. What a heck of a night. Just wanted to hop in to say the MMA Roadshow is brought to you by Freshly. Freshly delivers fully cooked, prepared meals straight to your door. No more coming home and wondering what's for dinner because Freshly's team of chefs and, and nutritionists are here to save the day. You get to skip the shopping, the chopping, and cleanup. All you have to do is heat them up and boom! Your meal is ready to eat in only three minutes. To try Freshly out, go to Freshly.com slash Roadshow to get $20 off your first week. That's six meals for just $39 plus free shipping. This offer is only valid for a limited time, so go to Freshly.com slash Roadshow for $20 off and free shipping. Consider dinner done. There you go, guys. Let's get back to John in China. Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 139 and a half. My name is John Morgan. I'm sitting here in Shanghai, China. After the wrap of UFC Fight Night 122, Bisping versus Gaston, my man Cole Coffee. He's back in Las Vegas. He couldn't be with me tonight, unfortunately, but he will be doing all the editing, getting everything together, doing what he does, because that's my man Cole Coffee. Me, meanwhile, I'm sitting here. I'm back in my hotel room. It's about 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning here in China. Got a couple of Xing Tao's sitting in front of me. Oh, man, the Xing Tao over here is so good. So good. I'm not going to be able to eat Chinese food when I get back home. No way. Game done change, fellas. Game done change. Real Chinese food is legit. And Xing Tao, it's amazing, too. All right. I'm hyped right now. I am buzzing, maybe because of the Qingdao, maybe because of USC Fight Night 122. I'm telling you, this card was fun. It was fun, fun, fun. We kind of joked, right? We kind of joked earlier in the week that, you know, last week in Sydney was one of those cards that nobody was paying attention to, and it didn't really deliver. This card delivered. This card delivered. The action was fun. And the crowd was amazing, and that was a huge part of it. Just the whole thing together, the whole event, the way it all came together was incredible. And uh, we're going to talk about it all, because what else do I got to do at 4 o'clock in the morning except talk some fights with you? All right, listen, uh, just to kind of give you this, let's, let's, let's set the scene. Before we get too far into the fights, let's just talk about China as a whole, right? Because, listen, this is my first time in mainland China. And, you know, maybe you cats are more cultured than me, and, and you're like, bruh, come on, I know what mainland China is like. But I didn't. I didn't know what it's like. It, this was all new experience for me. And it has been amazing. It really has been amazing. I look forward to coming back. I look forward to learning more about this place, more about the culture. I look forward to coming back. But it doesn't come without challenges, man. It is different. It's a different place. You know, I got here on Monday. Uh, has spent almost a week here, came straight from Sydney. Um, and, 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 you know, again, I, I told you guys uh, earlier in the week, I've been in a very nice area, the, 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 the location where we're staying. I'm not in the host hotel, but I'm right next to the host hotel. Um, and it's a very, very nice area. 
And fortunately, um, you know, I've, I've been able to venture out a little bit, you know, had some time off and been able to kind of, uh, you know, see a couple of places and, and not, you know, not sightsee so much, but at least get a feel for what the place is like. And this place is amazing, man. It really is. And I'm, and, and it, it, man, I'm looking forward to, to, to coming back. And uh, I think there's no question about it. The UFC will be back, but, but it doesn't come without challenges. Um, I mean, just for instance, if you don't have a VPN, and if if you're a hardcore listener, you know I, I'd been trying to set that up, and I end up I, I did I did get everything set up, it worked out good. But if you don't have a VPN, which, um, you know, if you're not a, a tech savvy person, if you're an old ass forty year old like me, um, you know, a VPN is basically software that essentially masks your location. It it makes your internet think you're somewhere you're not. Um, but you have no Twitter here, you have no Google here. You have no Facebook here. I heard today. I didn't realize this. You have no YouTube here. Uh, there is no Uber. Uh, at times they shut down WhatsApp. At times they shut down Skype. I mean, think about that. Think about those seven brands right there: Twitter, Google, Facebook, YouTube, Uber, WhatsApp, Skype. What would your life be like if you didn't have any of those? Now, again, there's workarounds, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Can you imagine if you just didn't have immediate access to those brands, to those platforms, what your life would be like? How much your daily existence would change? I think it's, uh, I think Instagram's okay. But those are huge. I mean, those are massive. So these are real situations that happen. And, uh, it, man, it just really makes you understand when people say, well, it's hard to do business in China unless you're there. you got to have boots on the ground. you got to have boots. you got to have something... You do. You got to have some. I mean, imagine trying to live in, in a world without any of that stuff. Um, you have to understand the, 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 the situation and the lifestyle. So that's been interesting to deal with. And then uh, the arena. Dealing with the arena was interesting. Uh, you know, I have a lot of good good friends. Good, good friends. Uh, because, you know, they, they basically work for the UFC or for production teams around it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, that's what we do. We go from town to town to town, right? And you end up drinking the same bars, eating the same restaurants, whatever. You end up striking friendships. And uh, I can tell you, and, and these people will never comment about it on record, but it was a stressful week. It was a stressful week for everybody involved. Uh, do, doing business here in China is something different. And this was a unique uh, challenge for the UFC. I wanted to take pictures tonight. I, I took a picture tonight when I was standing outside. I took a picture of a of a dog. <laughs> it was a uh, a bomb sniffing dog, whatever that was just asleep on the sidewalk, and I thought it was so cute. And I took a picture of that uh, and, and put that up on Instagram and put it on 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 Twitter. What I wanted to take a picture of was the just massive hordes of police and security that were around the building, inside the building. Now this was not like Poland, you know, a month ago where this was you know, in reaction to what what had happened with the whole soccer ultras coming in with the Adam Weezer Act fight. I mean, this was not that. This was just, this is just the way business is done here, right? Um, and I, I did hear there were concerns. I mean, this was the UFC for the first time. So there were, you know, politicians and influencers and things like that that were, that were concerned, that were like, hey, let's make sure we have a little bit of added security, a little bit of added everything because we don't know what's going to happen. But this was not alarming. This was not people in riot gear. This was not people on full alert. It was just a ton of bodies. Ton of bodies, man. Security, 
police. Uh, it was <laughs> at one point I, I wanted to take pictures of, it, but I was really afraid to just whip out my camera and take pictures of the police because I'm I thought for sure they'd arrest me if I did so. And then it was really funny. I had to go to the bathroom at one point at night, and I walked in, and there was a string of five urinals, and at all five urinals uh, were five police officers. Uh, you know relieving themselves if we're, if we're uh, trying to do it in the proper way. And I kind of wanted to take a picture of that, but, you know, if you thought it was inappropriate to take a picture of police, it's probably really inappropriate to take a, pictures, uh, a picture of police peeing. But I don't know, it's just, it's just wild. So, I mean, just massive shows of strength, massive shows of force. Um, and, and inside the building, it was weird, man. It was just, everything was different. Uh, the UFC... Did not have the run of the house like the normal. Even though they're the ones paying the bill, even though they're they're the ones renting everything, even though they're the ones doing everything, they still have to answer to certain people. So you have staff that isn't able to move the way they normally are able to move. Um, you know, from station to station and place to place and space to space uh, in the arena. So you know, everybody had to kind of adjust on the fly and, and change the way they do operations. I mean, it was. It was really well. I, I can tell you, we showed up and, and we got inside the arena to go set up. And, and um, you know, I was the only one here, so I was I was out front a little bit tonight. I was in the press room a little bit tonight, um, but I was I was going to set up in the press room and there was no power when we first got there. I'm like, oh god, like I can't work in the press room with no power. I have a computer. I mean, it's the, my and my battery's old. I need to get my battery replaced. I, I love my MacBook, but uh, it doesn't quite get the eight-hour battery life it's supposed to get anymore. Uh, I get two if I'm lucky, so I got to be plugged in. And uh, all the power had been stripped, and they were rewiring uh, the power like as we're walking in to start because I guess the way they wired the power wasn't up to code. It wasn't up to the way the venue people or the or whoever was it wanted it done. So everything had to be redone uh, at weigh-ins, at, at weigh-ins on, 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 on Friday, the ceremonial weigh-ins. Um, you know, normally we, we show up to a, to a USC event, we get a temporary credential. It's, it's a, it's a laminated little piece of plastic. Um, and it, it allows you to go to the media section. You, you, you grab your seat, you sit where you want, you do what you want to do. Me, I always, uh, if you're looking at the stage, I always go, you know, if you're looking dead at the scale, I always scoot over to the right, um, so that I'm right in line with the face-offs because that's the way every UFC works on the ceremony weigh-ins. The, the, the fighters come up the left side of the stage. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're looking from the, from the audience, they come up the left side of the stage, they walk across. They jump on the scale, then they go to the right side, and that's where the face-off is. So me, I always position myself on the right side so that I have a dead-on view of the face-off. Here, you had to have an assigned ticket. You literally had to have a ticket. So the media section, instead of just being like, okay, here's the media section. No, no, no. You got a ticket that had a row number, a seat number. It was like you were going to a paid event, and you had to sit in that seat. That's the only place you could sit. Fortunately... Uh, I, I, I told the USC staff, um, you know, once I caught wind of this, I'm like, Hey, uh, I went and saw the section. I'm like, I need this row, that number. And they were kind enough to make sure I had the ticket that, that I needed, but that's how things are different. So, I mean, everything was crazy. This was not an easy night for the USC. Nobody will ever admit that on the record because you know what the USC does? They just, they, they get together, they grind, they do what they do and nobody's going to talk about it. But look, it was a tough night behind the scenes. That said. It was an incredible night. I really do not think the, the, the USC could have 
dialed up or planned a better result than what they got tonight. I think everything was just dead 100% solid from start to finish. Um, the crowd, crowd. Let's talk about the crowd. Crowd was awesome. I, I was super excited to see what a Chinese crowd would be like. Now, my understanding, again, I'm still learning about China. Shanghai is a city that has more uh, expats, right? So more people, more, uh, you know, ex-Westerners. This is not, a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty metropolitan, forward-thinking, mixed, uh, internationally, you know, type of city. But the crowd was appeared to be pretty solid Chinese. I mean, this was not just like, you know, a bunch of Americans. And by the way, 15,000 people. It's a beautiful man. Mercedes Benz Arena. It's a nice arena on the inside, uh, especially on the inside. Now, again, I, I didn't get to go to the concourse. I didn't walk around and see like what food because I wasn't allowed to. Again, the way credentials were and all that was not allowed to go up there. So I can't tell you what it looks like, you know, for a fan because I wasn't allowed to go get that perspective. So I don't know what food they were selling. I don't know what you know, you know, merchandise they had and anything like that. But just on the inside. In the bowl, in the, in, the, in, the, in the viewing area, man, it's big. It's a huge, huge arena. A bunch of luxury suites. I mean, this is this is a nice arena, and it was it was full from early on. You know, I, I had tweeted it probably like 10 minutes before the first fight. Like, it looks at least half full. Dude, by the time the first fighters walked into the cage, even more people had made their way to the seat. It was probably 70% full from the first fight, and they were loud. They were cheering. And they were knowledgeable. This crowd knew what to cheer for, man. They 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 were cheering for, you know, transitions and escapes and definitely. I mean, uh, you know, you, you throw a high kick that misses. You throw a spinning back fist that misses, but it looks fantastic because you're going for it. And they were like, wow, you know, oh, wow, amazing. They were cheering everything. It was it was just such a cool. Cool, cool environment. They had chance going. They had respect, man. They were so respectful. Even when foreign fighters beat the Chinese fighters, which happened quite often early on. It didn't happen so often later in the car, but even early on, they were polite. They were respectful. Uh, man, I, I didn't hear a boo all night. I didn't hear a boo. It, I, I hadn't thought about that until just now. I don't think I heard a boo all night. I mean, I mean absolutely amazing. It was a very, very memorable. This is one of those events, you know, people say, oh, what, you know, tell me about one of your favorite events. Tell me about one of this. You know, I'm not saying this was the greatest event of all time. I mean, we talked about that at 217 a few weeks ago. What an amazing card that was. I'm not saying that. But in terms of memorable atmospheres, and again, what this meant for the USC, what this meant for history, spectacular night. So we'll, we'll talk about all the fights uh, for sure. But uh, last thing, uh, real quick, uh, just kind of setting things up. Um, again, you know, it's funny the the whole, oh, the UFC says they're having the best year ever. They're saying they're having the best year ever, but we know their pay-per-view sales are down. Does anybody know what their TV rights fees are in China? Cause I don't. And I think this kind of goes into play with, with, with Dana White saying, you know what you know about my business? You know what I tell you about my business? And it's, it's, it's a, it's a dumb way to say it. I, I know I've just, I've been around Dana for so long and I've interviewed him so many times. Like I kind of know what he means when he talks and the way that came out was terrible, but he's right. Like, do you know what the TV deal is worth in China? Because I have no clue what the TV deal is worth in China. But this is a country of 1.4 billion people. This is a country that sold out a fight night card with 15,000 seats. This is a country that, 
uh, you know, uh, an airline has just signed on as a sponsor. I mean, there's things happening. There's things happening. So, I don't know, just something to keep in the back of your mind. All right, enough about that. And hopefully the scene is set because I'm telling you, it was it was a weird scene. It was it was bizarre inside the arena. It was it was difficult, but damn it, it was worth it, man. The the, the fights were so good. The the entertainment aspect of it and the crowd, man, just the crowd. I cannot say enough for the crowd. They showed up early. They were vocal. It was amazing. All right, let's talk about the main event. Uh, we know that. Kelvin Gassum scored a big knockout win over Michael Bisping in the main event. Happy for Kelvin Gassum, man. The dude is 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 quality, man. I, I always go back to you know the, the Ultimate Fighter 17 doing all the cast interviews, and I'll never forget meeting Kelvin Gastelum and and and, and you know interviewing him just after the the thing started. And I'm like. This guy has no chance. <laughs> he was not my pick. He was the guy I was like, ew, ew. there's some beast in this house, man. This guy, Kelvin Gassel, he sure is nice. He sure is a good dude, man. I enjoy talking to him, but oof, I don't know about this. And then he ends up winning the whole damn thing. And he just keeps getting better and better and better. And the knockout was brutal, man. The big left hand. You know, I had, some of his team was telling me earlier this week, they were like, dude, I, I think we're going to get this done in the first round. I'm like, what? You're going to knock Bisping out in the first round? I'm telling you, they called it. The team called it and uh, did it. And, and I got to say that that finishing sequence of Kelvin, just to stand in the pocket and to to slip and then to throw, you know, obviously coming from Southpaw, to throw not only the one, you know, throw the right, but then come back with I mean, a lot of a lot of times guys are moving out of the pocket, you know, and they're and they're trying to slap one as they move away. Kelvin Gaston was dug in. He was like, "I'm gonna slip this punch and I'm gonna come back with a combination," and the knockout. Man, brutal, brutal on the button, on the button. Um, props to Kelvin Gaston. You know, said it going in. My heart was with Michael Bisping, and I'll still say that my heart was with Michael Bisping. Head was the Kelvin Gaslam. That was the right pick. That was the right pick. And it was weird, man. Walking in, you know, I, I love looking at things like body language. I love looking at things, you know, you know, trying to read between the lines. At the end of the day, body language and confidence and mental um, preparedness, I mean, it's all just intangibles, right? I mean, you can take the best fighter in the world against the worst fighter in the world and you know, just because one's having a good day or is in the right frame of mind, you know, that doesn't mean the worst fighter is all of a sudden going to win the fight. But it was interesting walking the, uh, watching the walk-ins, right? Like, Kelvin Gastelum looked like a damn animal, let off his chain, let off his leash to, to come in and jump in this dog fight, right? Like, he couldn't wait to get out. He's, you know, on the way to the cage. He's taking his shirt off. He's, you know, he's, he's getting ready. He's, he's scowling. You know, he's, he's, he's in there, man. He's in there for business. Meanwhile, Michael Bisping comes to the cage um, kind of smiling a little bit. He's got a little smirk on his face and, and chilling. And I don't know. I'm used to seeing that kind of more intense Mike. But it's funny because if Mike had – let's say Mike had won by first-round knockout. Now you look at that smirk and you go, ah, he knew something we didn't know. He knew something we didn't know. He had he had a quiet confidence about. So you know, it's all just things that you can kind of make up excuses for. You can make fit your narrative. But I did think observing the difference in their behaviors and observing the difference in their attitudes as they came to the cage was was kind of interesting. Um, 
I think you could see early on that Kelvin Gassum had just very little respect for Michael Bisping's striking whatsoever. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but again, I think Kelvin was willing to dig into the pocket and take a punch if he had to, because I think he felt like he could, he could take Bisping's shot if he had to, and he could answer back. And if he answered back, uh, it would do exactly what it, what it did. Um, man, I gotta say I was gutted. (coughs) Excuse me. I was gutted to see it happen the way it did. Um, the big shot came in. Uh, I talked to referee Mark Goddard afterwards. Um, you know, maybe he could have gotten in earlier. I, I think the stoppage was fine. Um, Bisping fell hard, but he, he looked like he was posting. He looked like he was pressing down to get up. He looked like he was trying to move. And then the bigger punches came in, and that was that. Um, I think, you know, Mark Goddard was kind of questioning himself a little bit. Ah, like maybe I should have gotten there a little quicker. But I, I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was good. Was gutted, you know, gutted to see it. Really gutted to see it again. Um, Mike Bisping came in here to to try to right it wrong, and now he's got you know two losses heading into his retirement fight in March. <coughs> Excuse me. So what do you do for the retirement fight? I'm still, I'm still, I'm still preaching for the for the Masvidal fight. I like it a number of reasons. They've got real beef. I mean, real beef. They do not like each other. And this is not, I mean, Masvidal's barely a true welterweight, much less a true middleweight. So it's not a guy that I think is going to go in there and just, you know, have a chance to flatten Michael Bisping. So it's a little bit of a humanitarian move. It's a little bit of a salesmanship move. I I don't know. That's the fight I want to see. Um, you know, a lot of people were barking about the Romero fight. And I get it, man. There's heat there. But especially now, again, I, I don't see why – why Romero would want to fight Bisping unless it's just pure emotion based right now. Romero's got more on the line. He's got more at stake and he's trying to get himself into another title shot. Um, so I don't think it makes sense for him to fight Michael Bisping. So we'll see. We'll see what, um, what comes next. Meanwhile, Kelvin, what comes next for Kelvin? I mean, the, the guy is definitely middleweight at this point, right? Like we can, we can get rid of the welterweight talk. Um, he's definitely middleweight. Uh, you know, he did struggle to make weight a little bit. I mean, you know, everybody else made weight the other day in like 30 minutes. You know, it takes him an hour and 50. Um, he didn't look especially great as far as like, you know, relaxed and happy and healthy. I mean, he looked pretty rough. He looked pretty pretty drawn out and angry. And, you know, he had to get naked to, to, to make it. And uh, he, He's a middleweight at this point. And he says... He wants Robert Whitaker in Perth, and I respect that. I like that. It seems like it would be jumping the line a little bit, right? I mean, there's other people that are already, like, further up the food chain, so to speak, in that middleweight division, but I'm not opposed to that fight because I don't think GSP is going to Perth. I really just honestly don't think GSP is going to go to Perth and fight Robert Whitaker. I don't think he's going to fight Robert Whitaker, period. But I, I, I definitely don't think he wants to go to Perth to do it. So, in the meantime, you know, why not do another title fight? Uh and I asked him about it, and I, I kind of almost think it should be for the undisputed title. I mean, if GSP is not willing to go to Perth, if he's not willing to take on the interim champion, then what's what's the point of the interim championship belt? I mean, it's to basically set up a, a, a title if you don't have a title, right? And man, if your champ's not willing to go to defend it against a top contender, <sighs> you know, I don't I don't want to be a jackass and say you got to strip GSP, but I mean, you got to think about it, right? You got to think about it, so. I don't know. I'm I'm okay with that. I think Gaslam 
going down to Perth facing Whitaker for the belt. I think you could do worse. I think you could definitely do worse. So, all right, uh, let's hear from Kelvin Gasso. Here's what we're going to do. Let, uh, let you hear from uh, Kelvin after his win. Uh, what I did here is I'm, I'm, I took the post-fight press conference and I and I, I edited it a little bit. So there's a lot of translation going on. Um, and, and rather than leave all that in there, which is not exciting to listen to, I'm just going to use the translator's question. So if it sounds like one dude is asking questions over and over and over and over again, uh, it's only because he's the guy that's translating and uh, that's whose voice you're hearing. So let's hear from a winner. UFC Fight Night 122, main event winner and uh, potentially a middleweight title contender soon. We'll see. Kevin Gaston. Hello, Ning Hao. Uh, first of all, any opening remarks uh, for our media first before they ask questions? Anything you want to sh- No. Nope. You guys can begin. All right. How? Uh, well, there's two parts of my question. First part, uh, for the result that you had tonight, um, is there something that you expected um, uh, when, you, when you just uh, knock out uh, Michael Bisming? Is that something that you expected that would happen tonight? Yes. Um, I trained for this, and I expected, com- I expected coming into the fight that I would knock him out. Yes. I, I, I am confident in my abilities to say that. Yes. Uh, well, the second part of the question is uh, a lot of fans uh, expressed that tonight, uh, with the way that you KO uh, Michael Bisping, uh, main reason is because he's getting old. Uh, so going back to uh, the topic where they uh, described that you, uh, you're the killer of the, 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 the elderly. Uh, so what's your take on that comment? I don't know what you're talking about. He's just, he was the middleweight champion three weeks ago. What are you talking about? Next question. Um, Kelvin, with that performance, you're currently ranked number eight in the middleweight rankings. Um, Who do you want next because of uh, your quick work with the former champion? Yeah, I mean, I I heard Robert Whitaker needs a main event opponent over in Australia for February, and I'm up for the challenge. You guys say I beat up all the elderly, and Robert Whitaker is definitely not an elderly. He's probably my age, uh, so I am up for that challenge. And with, with uh, the current situation at we, in the middleweight division where there's certainty with, on where, when GSP will return, um, w- would you mind to wait for him or take as many fights as you can? I'm not here to wait on anybody, you know. I'm here to focus on my career and what I need to get to where I need to be, which is the middleweight title. Kelvin, I guess, um, can you talk a little bit about the feeling? I mean, you did have so much respect for Michael Bisping going into this fight. Um, You know, to knock him out like that in, uh, you know, dramatic fashion there in the first round. I mean, is it bittersweet at all to kind of have to put down an, an idol like that? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Mike. I've been following his entire career. I remember watching him on the Ultimate Fighter finale and when he won it. So I have a huge amount of respect for Mike. But, um, you know, he was trying to do the same to me. So it was either him or me. And I want to ask you, I mean, as you mentioned, it sounds like uh, Whitaker does need a fight. Uh, you know, uh, a title fight in Perth would be pretty special, I'm sure. But let me ask you, I mean, what do you feel like that? Should that be an undisputed title? I mean, if... If GSP is not out there defending the middleweight title, I mean, do you feel like 
maybe that could be for the undisputed belt. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, GSP said it himself. Anything can happen, anything can happen in the sport of MMA. Um, you know, I feel like, like Robert Whitaker and I should be next. I mean, we're two young guys. Haven't even hit our prime yet. You know, I, 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 I just beat the guy who was the guy, you know. So I, I feel like I, I should be next. Wait, here. Hey, hey. Well, first of all, uh, this is Aiden from Radii China. Congratulations, Kelvin. That was a really impressive victory tonight. Uh, I have two parts to my question. The first part being, how did you adapt your strategy uh, to the change in opponent? And uh, what was your feeling going into that change? Yeah, when, when I heard about the opponent change, uh, we were about three weeks out from the fight. So at that point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready physically and mentally for anybody, you know. So the opponent change wasn't a big deal. Obviously, there were some strategies that we changed because we were fighting Anderson, who was a southpaw, uh, you know, switching over to Mike, who's, who's an orthodox fighter. So it's just little strategies, but not really much changed. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. And uh, I guess my second question then would be, uh, well, this is, you know, this is UFC's first event in mainland China, and this is also the most stacked Chinese fighter card we've seen so far. Uh, how do you feel about the Chinese fighters' performance tonight, and how do you feel about Shanghai's reception to UFC and uh, maybe the Chinese fans going forward? Yeah, I mean, this reminds me a lot of when we did the first event in Mexico. I was co-headlining it along with, with Verdum, and it just reminds me of, of the beginning of a huge boom in that country, and this event reminds me of that. After this event, it, there's gonna be a huge boom of Chinese fighters that come from China, and they're gonna be big stars in the UFC, like we've seen Mexican stars rise up in the UFC, so we'll see in the next few years, we'll see a lot of Chinese stars coming out. Hi, Kelvin. Uh, first, I'm Greg Lafredi of CCTV News. Congratulations to begin with. Can you tell us a bit more about your experience this week and what it was like doing your thing in front of these fervent Chinese fans? How has it been to headline and do it so successfully, the first fight in the Chinese mainland? Uh, hey, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was amazing. You know, everybody was so uh, welcoming here and so nice, uh, you know, that I would love to come back. You know, I had never been to China. I don't know anything about the culture here, so I was real curious about it. And, you know, sure enough, everybody was really nice, very welcoming, and, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, well, uh, first of all, I want to congratulate you on winning tonight's match against Michael Bisping. Uh, a few, a couple days ago, um, there uh, we were in an interview with Michael, and he talked about he had a height advantage and also the uh, the wingsman advantage uh, over you. So, is there any special tactics that you have um, um, input in tonight's match that helped you um, knock out uh, knock knock out Michael Bisping tonight? I mean. Nothing special, just what we train. I mean, this is what we do every day, like literally every day. So it's nothing special to me, maybe to you, but it, not to me. Uh, um, from the interview with Michael Bissing a, a, a couple days ago, uh, Michael did mention that um, um, he can um, win 
very easily over over Kelvin tonight, and he might actually gonna go to a bar and have a couple of drinks. But now uh, you uh, eventually become the eventual winner now. So how would you celebrate this victory tonight? I'm gonna go to my room and I'm gonna order a pizza <laughs> and uh, pack my stuff so I can leave tomorrow. All right. Thank you, Kelvin. Ladies and gentlemen, big round applause for Kelvin Gastelum. Thank uh, you, Shanghai. In the co-main event, it was China's own Li Jingling picking up the quick first-round TKO win over Zach Otto. Li Jingling looked good here. I, I knew this was going to be a scrap. I thought Li Jingling was the right pick here, and I thought this was great booking by the USC. You know, Zach Otto, a tough dude that's going to stand in there, throw down, and, uh, you know, take some shots, get some shots, and this ended up being big. You know, this was the co-main event that was kind of setting everything up to, to the main event. It was helping uh, the, the Chinese crowd build to the crescendo for the main event, and, and it worked out perfect. Li Jingling, uh <sighs> I've been a fan of this guy. I really have. I, I know that's crazy because uh, I can't understand a damn word this man says. But there's something about him. The, the dude's got some personality. He's got he's got a look. You know, he's got the big smile. He's got some swagger about him. He's got um, just an attitude, a little aura about him. I, I am a big fan of Lee Jingling. I, I really am. I think he's done so many uh, great things already in his career, put on some fun fights. Uh, and, and really is kind of becoming the representative of Chinese MMA as proven by his position here, the co-main event of the USC's mainland China debut, and, and he delivered. And, um, man, you know, leaps the cage, goes to celebrate with with his wife and, and kid. I mean, how cool is that? You can't beat that. Uh, he said afterwards at the post-fight press conference, he, he didn't really get to say anything because USC officials were, were pulling him away as soon as he got there. But he got to go celebrate with them. And then afterwards, he said, listen, I've got my eyes on the championship. That's what I want. I, w I want to be a title holder. And, man, he's he's got a long way to go before he's a UFC champion. I mean, this is not the type of fight that's going to give him a title fight or a number one contender fight. But, damn it, it was fun, man. It was fun to watch. And it was fun to see the reaction of the Chinese crowd. It was just... Uh, it was amazing, man. It really was. This was. I had a little video on Twitter, and it doesn't do it justice, I'm sure, because you can't necessarily see the crowd, and maybe the the, the audio doesn't sound that great because it's just a little iPhone video. But um, to see him pick up that win uh, and, and celebrate the way he did was uh, was incredibly interesting. And I think there's big things on the horizon. This guy is he is he's representing Chinese MMA at this point. He's the leader. He's the flag bearer. Of Chinese MMA. Interesting to note, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, did you notice there were no walk-ins for the co-main event? No walk-ins. The co-main event, including a guy that's from there. The guy that could have been able to soak it all in, Li Jingling. Uh, but at the time, now of course the UFC couldn't have known what was going to come next because you, you had a couple of first-round finishes and it wouldn't have been a big deal. But uh, I, I, again, hearing about dealing with China, I had heard from a couple of different people that the USC had basically been told if they weren't, ooh, excuse me, if they weren't off the air by 10 p.m., that the uh, the lights were going to be shut off in the building. They were like, the building is done at 10 p.m., so you, you better have your fights done. 
at 10 p.m. How crazy is that? Can you imagine that? What if you're in the main event and, and the building's just like, eh, we're done. Turn the lights off. So they had to hurry up a little bit. So no walk out there for Li Jingling, but picked up a big win over Zach Otto. Li Jingling up for some big fights. Um, the guy's taken care of, right? He's part of um, Audio Tar's management group out there at Paradigm. That's, of course, the management group of um, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson, among others. So he's got some quality representation. He's representing a country, a country that happens to have 1.4 billion people. I uh, was talking to a guy. So I don't want to give away too much because he was he was telling me about a story, but he's going to write the story. You know, he he knows the background of Li Jingling even more than I do, and, and he's going to write a story. But I mean, you talk about humble roots, man. This this guy's humble roots came from nothing. I like it. I'm I, I, I'm a leech fan. Wang Guan picked up the uh, split decision win over Alice Caceres. Wang Guan said it going in, man. I some people at American Top Team were telling me, uh, Conan Silvera among them, that this dude is the man. They love Wang Guan. They're super high on him, and you could definitely see why. Fantastic performance against Alice Caceres. Bruce Leroy showing some heart. Damn near finished at the end of the first round. And to be honest with you, um, I thought the fight was over. I thought the fight was over. This is one of those, here's another one. I actually had this interesting discussion with Mark Goddard tonight because I don't know where I stand on this. Like, I mean, Caceres gets absolutely flattened at the bell, right? Absolutely flattened at the bell. All right, bell sounds. He's saved. But he gets up to walk back to his corner, and he's wobbling. I mean, looking like he's just been drinking all day type of wobbling, right? Like, just legs are buckling, knees aren't working. Like, nothing's working right. And then he gets to 60 seconds, and it's like, ah, well, let's let's go. Let's let's go. To me, I thought the staggering back to the corner was enough to rule him out of the fight. I thought that was enough to say, look, eh, this fight should be over. So here's what, I, here's what I'm kind of internally split on. And, and I think we've talked about it before if, you, if you've listened, but I, I do have this concern with issues exactly like this. If you – should be knocked out if, if it looks like you're knocked out if it looks like you're done and we're saying the fight should be over and then you come back and fight two more rounds does that mean you proved that the fight should have been over or does that mean it was stupid of us to send you out there and have more problems with your brain cells and i'm torn it, it, it's a fine line and i'm torn right down the middle i mean if a guy looks like he's knocked out but somehow comes back and fights 10 more minutes then that means he wasn't knocked out, right? I mean, that means he he was still in the fight. If he proved he could go 10 more minutes, then I guess in some ways that proved that he's still in the fight. But, man, if you're basically knocked out, then that just means you're taking extra shots to the dome, right? So I don't know. I'm torn on that one. I'm torn on that one. But bottom line, Wang Guan proved he's the, the real deal. can tell you, speaking to Chinese media all week long, they're hyped. They're hyped about this kid. I mean, they knew there was a bag of mixed results on this card. I mean, it, some fighters looked like they were overmatched. Some looked like they weren't, but this was a, a big fight. And, and Wang Guan training down an American top team looks like he could be the real deal. Uh, it sounds like everybody here was excited. Alex Garcia picked up a submission win over Muslim Salikov. I mean, what can you say? Alex Garcia just dominated this fight, he, you know. Loved. He came in afterwards and, and talked about the post-fight press conference. He said, listen, I asked him, I said, uh, 
you know, going against a guy like Musa, who's you know the king of kung fu, this talented striker, you know, crazy strikes. That, I mean, your wrestling and your grappling is what ended up winning it. Did you know going in, this is what we're gonna do? Like, we're not gonna try to go, you know, toe to toe and man up. Like, no, no, we're gonna fight a smart fight. We're gonna take him to the ground. Or we're gonna choke him out. And, he, and 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 straight up, he was just <laughs> Alex Garcia. So honest, like, absolutely. He's like, Dude, I got nothing to prove. Like. What am I supposed to do? Strike with this guy and prove something? Like I got nothing to prove to nobody. Like I'm in here to win fights. That's what's up, and uh, I can respect that. I can respect that. All the hype was around Muslim Sakov, and Alex Garcia said, "Look, who's talking now? The hype's around me now." Good stuff. The hype, really though, around anybody, as far as I'm concerned, is to beat Magomed Sharapov. How freaking good did he look against Samuel Rice? My God, we knew this was the fight to watch going in, um, and Shaman Rice is no joke, man, no slouch. He 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 was he was in there fighting, he was having a good time. But Magomed Sharapov, to me, almost looked like he was sparring, like he was so relaxed, he wasn't even sweating. Man, he looks so comfortable in there, and such a huge, big, lanky frame, and and he can strike, he can grapple, he can do everything. This dude, to me, is the real deal. I'm telling you. If you missed his debut, that you know that's available on Fight Pass. Now this is available on Fight Pass. Watch it. This guy is the real deal. And uh, I don't normally, uh, you know, play interviews where there's uh, uh, translation involved because I think that's probably not the most appealing audio of all times. But you got to hear this guy. Just get to know his voice. Get to know his attitude. Because I think this guy is somebody we're going to be watching for a long time. And he went out of his way to call out Yair Rodriguez, which. Sign me up. For what it's worth, I did hit up Sean Shelby, and I'm like, can you make this fight? <laughs> and he just answered no. Uh, and that's all he answered. So who knows? He might be uh, – maybe there's something else lined up for one or both these guys. And then it could be just because Sean Shelby likes talking shit. But, uh, yeah, here from Zabit Magomedsherov, um, along with uh, Rizvan Magomedov, who's doing uh, the translations in there as well. Uh, this dude is talented, man. Keep your eye on him. Well, uh, another very, very impressive win tonight. Just want to ask how he feels about his performance and about the win this evening. Well, obviously, I'm very happy because for such a short time I made the two fights and both fights were successful. What can I say? I'm happy. Very nice. Just as I said, second UFC fight, but he looks very, very relaxed in there, very comfortable. I mean, does he get nervous at all or does, does he feel very comfortable in there right now? Because it looks that way. Well, yeah. That's right, I'm kind of relaxed during the fight because I'm uh, my background is striking. I'm uh, I feel I feel myself uh, very confident in striking and the wrestling skills. I cannot name myself as a rest as a wrestler, but I have a I believe I have a good skills in a wrestling too. So I'm just confident. I can go down. I can uh, keep the fight on the 
on their feet. So that's why I'm, I'm not too nervous about it. He's facing a, a great striker tonight in Shaman Marias, so I wonder, it ended up being a lot of grappling and jiu-jitsu. Was that the plan going in, to, or, or was it just something he felt as the fight was unfolding? Ты сегодня встречался с очень с очень уровневым ударником, и как мы видели, практически ну основная часть боя прошла в партере. Это был план такой на бой. Что ты вообще думаешь? Да, конечно, это был план. Мы с тренером изучали его бои, смотрели. Я видел, что он бьет что с руки, что с ноги очень сильный удар. Из-за этого у нас был план перевести его в партере и там работать. Yeah, of course, definitely. That was a plan. That was a plan for the fight because he's a very, very high-level striker. He's a very sensitive, and the uh, uh, plan was to take him down and work there. You know, it's obvious. After his debut, there was a lot of hype. Fans were like, "Man, this guy is special." Um, I'm curious if, if he heard that. You know, kind of felt the the fan support, and if he feels the I don't want to say pressure, but that, that people are expecting a lot out of him. После первого боя очень много хайпа было о тебе, интересуется, слышал ли ты это, видел, и не было ли это для тебя каким-то дополнительным давлением? Давление не было, наоборот, это меня мотивировало, потому что очень много болельщиков писали, писали, болели за меня, видно, это я заметил, что очень многие за мной следят, переживают, из-за этого меня она мотивировала, наоборот. Uh, no pressure, indeed. It uh, motivates me. It motivates me because I uh, noticed that so many people around the world cheering for me, rooting. I got so many fans. You know that kind of surprised me, and it's, it motivated me more. Very cool. And what does he think he should come next? Because I think a lot of people feel that, that he's going to be a contender very soon. Does he want those big names right now? Does he still want to grow a little bit? What does he feel should come next? Что ты чувствуешь? Что, какие будут следующие шаги? Как ты думаешь, ты хочешь сразу же таких высоких рейтингов соперников, либо ты хочешь по одному постепенно забираться вверх? Я уже чувствую себя уверенно. Я думаю, топ-15 я запросто вошел бы, если мог бы даже топ-15, топ-5 войти, драться на уровне. Без проблем. Соперников будут? Родригес может с ним подраться. Все топы 15, все хорошие бойцы. Мы из них я готов драться. Yeah, definitely I feel myself like in the top 15, uh, the least, and I believe I can, I can give a fight to any top five in my division. And if you ask me who I want to fight, I think the good fight gonna be Yair Rodriguez. I wish to fight with this guy because he's a, a flashy striker as well. That'd be a lot of fun. It's quite quick. How soon does he want to fight again? Does he want some time off for the holidays, or does he want to fight again? А когда когда ты хотел бы провести свой следующий бой? Взять немного перерыв или же? Я-то всегда в форме держусь, всегда тренируюсь. Чем два-три месяца я готов быть. Well, I usually keep myself all the time in shape. I don't go too fat, and two, three months, I'm ready to go back. In action. That dude is a real deal, man. Zabit Magomedsherov. Uh, <laughs> I saw one of his coaches tweeting earlier, Zabist, as they like to call him. 
damn, dude, just looks so comfortable in there, man. It's incredible. All right, uh, Song Kinan picked up the 15-second win over Bobby Nash. How amazing was that? I mean, at this point, things were rolling for the Chinese, right? I mean, it started out rough, 0-3 for the Chinese fighters. Uh, they would finish 5-3. and They got on a, on a hell of a run. Uh, man, just big stuff going on there. Uh, and, man, the way the crowd reacted was phenomenal. You know, how much these fighters are going to be able to integrate into the, the, the rest of the kind of mainstream UFC fighters, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this is, in a lot of ways, you know, some of these fighters kind of felt like, it almost felt like a, a tough China finale, man. Some of these Chinese fighters were unproven and, and uh, you know, were trying to show that they belonged. Uh, a lot of them came from... Uh, it, it, the, the USC is doing a developmental program, right? I mean, they've got they, they invest in fighters from a certain region. You know, they did it with Latin America. They're doing it with China now, um, putting these fighters in in high level camps and getting them high level training. You know, people they identify that maybe have a future. It's weird because they don't like to talk about it much. And again, I don't I don't know why they don't like to talk about it, man. I think it's such a good thing. So I think it's such a positive thing. I mean, it shows the investment that they're making financially. Um, but but they don't like to talk about it much, and I guess, you know, you don't necessarily want to, you know, put all your cards in the basket of a fighter that's not really your fighter yet. But it does seem weird you don't want to put any resources at all. So, uh, no, no, just interesting note. Uh, Yan Jinan picked up the unanimous decision win over Kylan Curran. Um, you know, this Yan can bang. And I know people are going to, uh, you know, automatically say, well, Kylan Curran, because, you know, she doesn't have the best career record. She doesn't have the best UFC record. Sweet girl, man. She's really awesome and and, and uh, loves to scrap, man. And she showed heart here again. She came back and won the third round. Uh, you know, amazing to see she'll get in bad positions and just continue to fight through. But Yan uh, Jianan, man, amazing. Her striking is on point. She did not get to go come do a, uh, a post-fight interview. It's an interesting note because she did get transported to the hospital, so she got some injuries as well. But holy Christ, she can strike. Man, that was fun to watch. Uh, Song Yudan picked up the win over Rock Kandari. First round submission via the uh, front choke, the 10-finger guillotine choke. Uh, well applied here in this position. I think a lot of people were hoping that Barack Kandar would be able to uh, deliver something again. The, the first pure Indian fighter, and again, that's another huge population base there that the U.S. would like to touch. Uh, unfortunately, Kandar came up short tonight. Shabdul, Shabdul, good Lord. Is it is it uh, evident that it's, Almost five, and I'm I'm kind of got my eyes closed as I'm talking about the fights. Uh, <laughs> I should probably open my eyes, right? That would probably make things better. All right, let's try again. Shamil Abdurakimov picks up the first round knockout win over Chase Sherman. Shamil Abdurakimov with the with the big shot as uh, Chase Sherman was trying to retreat. It was kind of a weird stoppage, right? Like, uh, I mean, Sherman definitely hit the ground hard. I mean, his body went limp and he hit the ground. And then uh, he tried to kind of post up and get back to his feet, and the fight was waved off at that point. I had no problems with the stoppage. You know, talked to Shamil. He said, listen, this was good. And I think this is what most fighters normally say. Like, oh, it would really hurt him if they didn't stop it. But but I do believe him, man. I, I think he was dialed in. I think he was on top. And it, it was just what I – but it was just weird that, uh, you know, it, it, 
kind of kind of Chase was trying to recover at the time. It looked like trying to trying to post up and get back to his feet. So, um, but a big win there for Edward Kimoff. I had a chance to ask because afterwards, you know, Chase, Chase Sherman had actually said in an interview with did that he, that that he hits like a girl and he's always trying to look to to move and escape. And you know, I, I'm not the biggest shit stir in the world, but didn't want to ask Shamir what he thought about that. And he's like, great answer. He's like, well, I didn't see it, but my wife saw it. And my wife sent me the link, and I kind of read about it, and it did piss me off a little bit. <laughs> it did give me some motivation, so I thought that was fun to hear. Gina Mazzani picked up the United, uh, United. Good Lord, I am. <laughs> it's about time to go to bed. Uh, Gina Mazzani picked up the unanimous decision win over Wu Yanan. Uh, dominant performance here by Gina Mazzani. Wu Yanan showed that she has. Uh, a, a lot of heart fighting out of, of, of bad situations. Gina was fantastic. Did an interview with her earlier this week, um, w- which was fun. That's on YouTube if you want to see it. But talk to her tonight. And so she trains at Extreme Couture, right? Uh, I take my son to Extreme Couture when I'm in town. Of course, it's been a while. But I take my son to Extreme Couture to train. And it, it was great that she mentioned this in the interview because this was one of those interesting positions for me. Gina Mazzani, a couple of weeks ago, was walking around Extreme Couture on crutches. And I'm like, uh, she's supposed to be fighting in China in a couple of weeks. What is she doing on crutches? And when I'm there, when I'm there with my son for his training, I feel like it's I'm not there as a reporter. I'm not there to be MMA Junkie John. No, I'm, not, I'm not there to be the guy that's looking for a scoop or a story. But I see her on crutches, and again, you know, not not like the world would change if that you know the fight was canceled. But it was just wild. Like, um, uh, are you still going to China? But I, you know, I sat on it, and it was funny. I talked to my wife about it. I'm like, man, look at this. This is crazy. But it, I feel like I'm not in a position to write a story about it because I'm, you know, I, I only witnessed it because I was there with my with, with my kid for for practice. It wasn't really like reporting or anything like that. So. Um, anyway, it's just funny cause I've been wondering how she was doing. And then, you know, she admitted in her post fight scrum that, yeah, I had a broken bone in my foot and, and the hell with it. I fought on anyway. So, um, pretty crazy stuff there. Mazzotti was the better fighter. There's no question about Wu Yunnan showed a hell of a lot of heart though. There's no question. She, she was tough as nails. Um, but this was that 0 and 3 start for the Chinese fighters where he thought, Oh my God! This is gonna be a bloodbath. Like this is not gonna be good. Uh, Rolando D picked up a win over Waligi Buran. Rolando D was in an interesting situation. Uh, retired. He had gone 0 and 2. I was talking to, to UFC matchmaker Sean Shelby about this. Um, kind of what happened. R- Rolando had gone 0 and 2 to start his UFC career, and the UFC had decided to to let him go. You know, we're we're gonna let him move on and do whatever he wants to do. And then this opportunity came up, and they were like, "Well, I don't know. Do you want to fight again?" And it was so amazing to hear, you know, Rolando D talking about, and it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. I mean, Rolando D talking about the fact that he doubted himself. He had given up on his dream. You know, he, he knew he was being cut by the USC, and he was like, just to hell with this. You know, to hell with MMA. Um, I'm out. And then gets this fight, this opportunity to come in on two weeks' notice has basically like 25, 28 pounds to lose in the course of, you know, 10 to 12 days. He, he misses weight, but he came close. He tried like hell to get there, and, and it didn't work out. Uh, and then he picked up the win. And, man, his, he was emotional. He was fighting back tears as he talked to us backstage. And he said, um, man, you know, like I gave up on myself too quickly. My own dream. I gave up my own dream too quickly. 
and now I realize, like, hold on, man, Let's keep keep chasing it. So, uh, pretty cool stuff there from Orlando D. And then the uh, the first five night, Cyril Asker picked up the win over Hua Yazong. Uh, Cyril Asker got the rear naked choke in the second round. And Cyril Asker, what a fun guy that guy is. If you want to hear his interview, uh, it's on YouTube as well. But um, the, the guy is super fun, just super jovial. Um, gives an update on France, talks about the fact that he, he hopes maybe next year sometime. Um, but just talks about himself a little bit. I had no idea that he's, he's a damn car salesman uh, on a day-to-day on -day basis, and he's got to go back and do that. So um, a, a good dude, a good dude. So listen, this was a fun event. Top to bottom, uh, you know, it's worth watching. It's on Fight Pass. It moved quick. It's worth checking out if you didn't already. Um, and then again, the, the part that really interested me was the historic nature of the card in Shanghai, China, in mainland China for the first time. And what does that mean? What does that mean moving forward? Um, fortunately, Kevin Chang, the head of UFC Asia Pacific, he was there at the uh, post-fight press conference, and he uh, offered up some words about uh, what he thinks. Again, just like we did earlier, kind of edited out all the Chinese. So if it sounds like one guy is asking questions over and over and over, it's because he's translating for other people. And I figured, dude, you don't need to hear all that. You just want the good stuff. So here we go. Kevin Chang. Good evening. Mike Miguel from Dojo Drifter. In the Philippines, my question is, with the performance of the Chinese fighters, especially most of them are making the, their MMA uh, UFC debuts, um, how could how would you gauge the and the response of the fans? Would there be uh, another um, mainland China card for possible early next year or for 2018? Yeah, I, I, you know I think um, from the performances that we saw tonight, I, I think the Chinese fighters went to five and three, and uh, you know they showed their stuff tonight. They really. Um, brought their brought their best level, and I think it shows uh, where the the level of talent has come um, in China, and, and, and again the, the last couple of years. Um, and uh, as far as whether or not we plan to come back, it's definitely definitely in the cards. We're we're going back to the drawing table probably on Monday to kind of take a look at what our plans are for 2018. And out of five, out of the five winners, uh, all four, including Li Jin Liang, who are who do you think has the star power to um, join the Leech in the upper, upper Elgin in the UFC? You know, uh, a lot of our Chinese fighters had finishes tonight, and, and uh, Song Yadong, he, he got a performance of the night bonus. Um, it's definitely an indication of how well he performed. Um, I thought that uh, Wang Guan had a great evening as well, as well as Song Kenan. So, you know, I, it just it really shows how again, how far uh, the level of talent has come, and, and I think um, we're, we're in for some very exciting times in the future in the MMA landscape of, of China. Kevin, how you doing, man? Thank Great event. Um, John Nutt, Fox Sports Asia. Just wondering, again, you said you're going back to the drawing board on Monday. Uh, the progression of the UFC coming into Asia, it's been a little bit slower than a lot of the fans have been have wanted. Singapore was an awesome card. This card was, I mean, the energy in there was electric. I just want to know a little bit more about your expansion plans for kind of the rest of Asia. Any more plans for Southeast Asia? I mean, this was a really killer, but I mean, any, any plans on Bangkok? Any plans on other larger major cities in Southeast Asia? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the fan base is really growing in, in, across all of Asia, North Asia, Southeast Asia. Um, we have a limited amount of, of, of events that we're going to bring to the region every year. Um, so, you know, we, we have an eye on, on markets like you say, you know, like, like Thailand. And, and, um, but there, there are so many places to go. <laughs> so I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, you know, we haven't made any decisions yet, but it's certainly on our radar. Uh, well, obviously, well, uh, let's focus on the Chinese uh, fighters tonight uh, with such of the great performance uh, from the Chinese, Chinese fighter. Uh, will they be gaining any, uh, any other opportunity in the future development for their, uh, for their career? Yeah, uh, these fighters, this is their debut. We definitely have plans and not just in Asia. I mean, you could see them in events all over the world. You know, I mean, it's just coming off of tonight. They performed very well. So you'll definitely be seeing um, these Chinese fighters on cards around the world. Uh, well, focusing uh, again on the Chinese fighter, many of them are having their debut uh, uh, today uh, with such a stellar performance that they have uh, displayed today. Uh, what was the future plan for them? Uh, would they go on to uh, more high note uh, events or just a regular uh, events that, they, that you guys were planning to, to have them going in? I, I think all of our, we don't have any you know, regular events or bigger, I mean all of our events are big and especially these Asian, car, you know, Asian events this year have all been great shows. Um, future plans, I'll leave that up to the matchmakers. Uh, well, talking about the attendance rate today, well, as we can see, we have a pretty high attendance rate here today uh, at the UFC Fight Night in Shanghai. So, Kevin, would you uh, take tonight in Shanghai as probably one of the most attending event overseas uh, for, uh, uh, for all the overseas events that UFC has hosted? Uh, maybe not all of overseas events. I mean, you know, again, we've, we've played in some outdoor stadiums, which just have a bunch bigger capacity, but certainly um, in Asia, it's, it's been one of our biggest events for sure. And one addition is uh, just to receive the update news, uh, uh, Li Jingliang and Song Adong already received their bonus. So congratulations and go China, go. All right. Hi, Matthew Scott from South China Morning Post. Can you tell us a bit more about Song Ya Dong? He was a late call-up. Is, is he still a teenager, right? Did, yeah. he, did you have him in I, training? Or yeah. was he plucked out of Kunlung? And how did you find this kid? Yeah, you're right. He was a, a late replacement. He's a teammate of, of the fighter that he replaced earlier. Um, I believe he's 19, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he brought us, he, he seized the opportunity tonight to really show the world what he's got. And, being a replacement, you know, you have that opportunity and he definitely took advantage of it. Hey, hello, how you doing? Uh, this is Aiden Conhorst from Radii China. Uh, I just, uh, first of all, congratulations on a really successful first event in mainland China. Uh, I, I know that MMA has had some difficulties breaking into, the, into China in the same way that it's managed to enter other scenes globally. Uh, so I guess my question is, what changes are occurring in the way that Chinese MMA fans and the fan base itself is growing? And uh, secondly, what, what are the changes occurring in the way that China is producing fighters? Uh, and how is UFC eyeing those changes on the fan side and the fighter side? On the fan side, it's, it's about the momentum. I mean, you know, you start with a small and, and very loyal group of fans and they have just you know been champions and, and we thank them all for, for their support through the years because they were the root 
and as, as all things do, as, as we have, uh, you know, the level of competition has increased, uh, the media exposure that we have in the market from both broadcasting as well as, um, you know, PR and, and media coverage in general has definitely grown. It's just continued to snowball. From the athlete side, um, yes, definitely, I, I think it's a natural evolution of, of MMA. Um, with uh, Song Yadong tonight, for instance, being so young, he's part of the new wave of MMA talent. I mean, they come in perhaps not just focused on a single discipline, but really having the entire skill set and training the entire skill set from a very early age, and that showed tonight. So, you know, it's very encouraging. Oh, okay. The first question is, uh, I'll talk about the, the television rate because uh, uh, back then when we host the events in Japan, we have to adjust to the North American time because of the, the TV ratings. So uh, what, what, what was the adjustment that you have made uh, with the U.S. office um, to be able to host uh, tonight's event in our prime time instead of in the United States prime time? Uh, it's just a different category of event that we do. Um, the, for instance, the Japan fight was a FS1 broadcast. Tonight's was a Fight Pass broadcast. So it's just lining up the times. We, we definitely do look to, um, in the future, uh, do more events in, in prime time, in, in Asia prime time. Okay. Uh, well, talk about um, uh, previously we host a UFC fight night in Seoul, in Japan, in Singapore, in Shanghai. Is there any other opportunity that um, in Shanghai that um, our audience will be able to witness not just a fight night but an upgraded event or maybe fighting for some belt um, in, in the upcoming future uh, to be able to host it in Shanghai here? Anything is possible. <laughs> Uh, we've uh, we, we've seen that UFC uh, been working with schools and also with the grassroots or, uh, um, um, teams and clubs. And um, for taking an example tonight, after Song Adong's victory, he did thank uh, the the club that helped uh, nurture him to become what he is right now. So, is there any plans right now with UFC um, that um, they that you guys would work would partner with uh, these grassroots clubs here and schools here in China to help develop more? Uh, Chinese fighters talent yeah you know we have a good relationship with with many of the clubs um, and again there's there's more and more of them in, in China these days so I mean as far as supporting them sh yes last question last question all right all right Mike Bacos MMAindia.com um, UFC Shanghai uh, featured its first Indian born fighter and we're wondering if there are any other plans to bring up any other Indian fighters up to the ranks or any Indi uh, plans to have any events in India. The first question I gotta leave to the matchmakers. They're definitely the experts. Um, you know, they definitely have said that there's a wealth of talent out there and they're keeping their eye on it. As to when that would be, that's, again, that's, that's TBD, but. Um, and as far as plans uh, to go into India, um, Sure, uh, just 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 like Shanghai. I mean, we we make sure that the timing is right, and so we have our eye on it. We we understand our fan base out there. We understand what our media reaches, what type of social that we have, social following that we have. So you know, we have our eye on it for sure, and and, and I think that um, it's definitely a possibility. Oh, so thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you, everyone, oh, for coming. Well, Zhang Zuolin先生，谢谢。
Kevin Chang letting you in a little bit of what's out there. Again, being pretty non-committal uh, overall as far as the what's next. But here's the deal. I think this was a home run. I think this card was a huge you know, moment for the UFC, and, and I think it was a home run. I think we'll see the UFC back in China next year. I think they want to continue to build on this. There's this massive population base, this massive financial base as well. Um, I think they come back to China. You know, maybe Beijing. Maybe they try Beijing instead of Shanghai. Um, but I think we see the UFC in China next year. Uh, I, I think they're going to remain committed to this market. Uh, if if I was guessing, uh, I bet we'll see South Korea. This was no secret. South Korea, uh, the market after the last great event they had, it shut down a little bit because um, they had to redo the, the, the venue. They, the, the, the venue was built for the Olympics, and it was getting kind of old, and they wanted to kind of upgrade some things. And so the UFC was, you know, hey, we'll still clear until you get everything done. And they'll sneak back in. So I, I think you'll see him there. Uh, and, and I bet, again, uh, this is all just playing hunches. I bet we'll see a Singapore event. That's where the UFC is based uh, in their age operations. And I bet we'll see maybe something in Singapore as well. So that's that's my guess. Uh, listen, hey, I should say, by the way, if uh, you like what you're hearing, uh, take a second. Go to iTunes. Take a moment to just log in. Rate us. Give us five stars if you can. If you can't, no worries. Give us what you think you can. But review us too, man. Let let us know. Feedback, positive, negative, whatever you can do. Feedback is always, always good. Um, yeah. China. It's crazy. Uh, I told, I think the one thing that's going to stick out to me, the uh, you know, I told you about the scooters and the people. They just kind of drive wherever the hell they want to. And they got these electric scooters, which makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, there's smog. There's smog everywhere. Uh, they're trying to get green a little bit. So they got these electric scooters. The problem is the electric scooters make no noise whatsoever. I mean, you've set certainly by this point in like a hybrid car or whatever right an electric car like it literally makes no noise so now they got these scooters that are rolling down the street not paying attention to any damn traffic signs whatsoever and you can't hear them so you don't know when they're coming you don't know when you're about to be hit when you're about to be just destroyed by the scooter that's going down there silently so yeah that'll be my lasting memory of china is these crazy scooters it's been interesting I, I think we'll be back here uh again not the easiest place to do business not the easiest place to work um but certainly memorable and man this crowd is special that's that's for anybody that wasn't here and, and wants to know what the takeaway is to me i was just blown away by the crowd i was here to cover the event more than the fights and uh i, I think the crowd delivered i think they're the, the ufc has a big Big, big market on their hands going forward. It's going to take a little massaging. You have to be a little bit creative. Um, but there's possibilities. There's no question about it. So, anyway, listen. It's uh, it's like 5 o'clock in the morning. I got to get some sleep. I got to uh, I gotta fly home. Can't wait to get home. Miss my kids. It's been two weeks. Uh, yeah. So many good things going on. But I miss my son. I think on these Thanksgiving trips from now on, I'm just going to take my wife and kid with me so I have my family with me. Don't miss my wedding anniversary anymore. Don't miss Thanksgiving anymore. That's kind of the plan. Uh, next week, listen, uh, me and uh, Cole Coffee will be back together. We'll be covering the tough finale in Las Vegas, so it'll be nice to be home. Meanwhile, Matt Erickson will be out there in Detroit for that big pay-per-view card out there. Uh, but you know the MMA Junker will have you covered from both places. On top of that, our, our man Dave Mandel 
uh, is picking up the slack for us once again. He'll be out covering Bellator. So, man, we'll be all over the place. We got you covered. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted and updated all week long. In the meantime, you know how we do. I'm going to have a shink tower or two and go to bed. For you, thanks for listening. We'll be right back.